Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is best-selling writer Jamie Brenner, author of the new novel, Blush. Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your new novel, Blush, how would you describe the novel? It's a multi-generational family saga set on a North Fork, Long Island vineyard. And it pays homage to my favorite summer reading, which was the trashy novels of the 80s, like Chances and Scruples and Lace. Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing Blush? It's a book I've wanted to write my entire life because the novels I read when I was young in the 80s you know, stayed with me in such a profound way. And there was always this feeling of, I want to explore this in some way. Because even though these books were bestsellers and had such a huge impact on a lot of us who grew up in that time, they're sort of a guilty pleasure or like the dirty little secret of our, of our reading past. And I wanted to sort of challenge that and look at the value of books and even books that are escapist reading. Um, and put it in, in the context of what can we get from this? And can we get the same type of value as we do from reading, let's say, Jane Austen or books that are technically considered classics? Sure. And wh what was it, do you think, that 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 resonated with you so deeply about those novels that you just mentioned from the 80s that many people consider trashy novels? They were the first messaging that I got as a as a girl growing up in suburban Philadelphia in the 1980s, late 70s, that said, go out into the world, take chances, have passionate love affairs, and just experience life with risk. Whereas the, the actual women in my lives were telling me to do things in a very safe and prescribed way. So it was eye-opening and it was really heartening to me to, to see that there might be an alternative uh, future for me. That's interesting. So, so how does the concept of Susan Sontag's notes on camp play a role in your novel? Susan Sontag notes on camp, she basically gave permission for people to enjoy so-called low culture. And she said, you know, you can enjoy, there's just as much value in watching a show like Dynasty as there is in watching great theater. Um, she, Camp, gave people permission to enjoy art across the spectrum. And I think that was a really important message that had been lost. It's been lost a little bit because people take things so seriously now and things are so um, stratified in terms of what's good and bad. and. Um, you know, I have a very intellectual daughter who would never deign to read uh, a commercial book. And she was the one who really turned me on to Susan Sontag. And I thought, you know, ironically, this book is telling her that she should be reading a little <laughs> bit more across the board. Do you think that she'll expand her reading? No, but hopefully other people <laughs> will. <laughs> I have hope for the rest of the country. <laughs> so what was your initial writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first novel published? I'd wanted to be a writer my whole life, and I just didn't believe that I could. So I did the next best thing, which was I moved to New York after college, and I got a job in book publishing. And after years of working sort of behind the scenes, 
I saw that there's no magic to it. You know, writers hand in bad first drafts and editors fix them and publicists help get the word out and art departments give a beautiful cover to package it. And I realized it's just a job and it's a team effort. And that gave me the confidence to finally try. That's great. Well, what is your favorite 80s nostalgia that made it into your novel, Blush? Oh, definitely Dynasty. I mean, I have such <laughs> vivid memories of, of sitting in my pajamas and watching Joan Collins in her giant Nolan Miller shoulder pads and the jewelry and the makeup. And that was like, wow, that's what a woman was. And um, the outrageous dialogue. Uh, you know, Susan Sontag talks about naive camp versus intentional camp. And it was naive camp. Like this was a serious show. But looking <laughs> back on it, you know, it's outrageous. These women would jump in the pool and have a cat fight. So that stands out as as my formative sensibility in the 80s. So what is your writing process when you're working on a new novel? Do you outline extensively before you start writing or do you kind of jump into the narrative and see where it takes you? I always outline and I have this misguided idea that somehow I can figure the book out completely before I begin. And if I just follow my outline, I'm going to be done early and it's going to be easy <laughs> and it never happens. And I'm starting to accept it never will. But I do try. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? It sounds simple, but honestly, just reading a lot is the best fortification and education you can get in terms of being a writer and reading books in the space you want to write in. You know, if you're always reading mysteries and then you decide you're writing uh, something super literary, you know, you have to question, you know, why, what are you writing? And is it what you really absorbed and loved as a reader? Because I think when you're writing what you love, you're going to have the the best um, time of it. And and what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? I just finished The Plot by Jean Hoff Korolitz, which is, you know, very meta. And it's about book publishing and the struggle of um, writer's block and the pain of the writer's life, but with a really like great thriller twist. So I highly recommend that one. And um, nonfiction, I'm reading a book called Goodbye to All That, uh, essays uh, by writers who left New York City. And it's just beautiful. And it talks about what draws artists to New York City and the challenges of living an artistic life in a town that's so expensive and so grueling? So I've been, I've been reading like an essay a night for the past week. And so are you working on a new novel now? Yes, I just handed in my book for next summer, which is set in the world of um, a dynastic jewelry company, kind of like Tiffany. And it's a family that became synonymous with diamond engagement rings. But ironically, the family's had the worst luck in love. And at the beginning of the book, uh, one of the sort of cast off granddaughters returns to the fold to reclaim what's hers. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they like to learn more about you and your novels? I'm at jamiebrenner.com, my website. But I think the most, you know, 
up to date way to stay in touch with me is on Instagram at Jamie Brenner writes. I was uh, a reluctant Instagram participant, <laughs> and now I'm completely in love with it. And I really feel like, oh, like I talk to people, it's a community. So that's the place to go for me. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Jamie Brenner, author of the new novel, Blush. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Jamie, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much, Jeff. Great. Now, stay tuned for a brief excerpt from the audiobook of Blush by Jamie Brenner, read by Julia Whalen, available from PRH Audio, wherever audiobooks are sold. It was the time of year known as bud break, that late spring moment when the entire vineyard turned green. She looked out at the orderly rows of plants as far as the eye could see. The knotty wood trunk of the vines gave way to a lush canopy of leaves that her father tamed with wire, and little nubs of the fruit poked through with the promise of abundance. It was Leah's favorite season, the moment before everything changed. The sun began to set, but her father showed no sign of slowing down. Her older brother had lost interest and wandered off long ago. Her father patted her head, saying, At least one of my children is paying attention to what's important. The praise thrilled her. See here, Leah, we don't need all these shoots he said, indicating where he had clipped away at the plant tied to the trellis wire. This is the primary shoot, and we can't have others competing for the plant's resources. Her father had been bringing her out into the fields from the time she could walk. The winery was her home, and the acres of surrounding fields were her secret garden. This made her feel special. It made her feel like she had a destiny, and no matter what happened at school or with her friends, she had something bigger to hold on to. Here, she belonged. A young man emerged from the row of Syrah plants. Javier was her father's most trusted field hand. Javier, tomorrow we'll start at 5.30, her father called out to him. Yes, Senor Hollander. Javier had black hair and black eyes and long limbs that made her watch his every move with fascination. When he disappeared into the distance, the fields suddenly felt a little less alive. She was 12 years old, Javier was her first crush, and her feelings made the vineyard seem even more magical. At dusk, she and her father walked silently back toward the sprawling 18th-century farmhouse that her parents had converted into a winery. She heard laughter from the back deck, an assembly of women in which her mother held center court— it was the last Tuesday of the month, and that meant book club. Her father walked past the group with a small wave to Leah's mother, following a path around the front of the building. Leah lingered, hoping to remain unnoticed for even just a few moments so she could watch them. The women all looked glamorous, in their dresses by Halston, Nolan Miller, and Escada, their hair teased and sprayed into style, their lips bright with gloss. But the standout in any crowd was always her mother, with her ash-blonde hair, blue eyes, and sharp cheekbones. She looked like the actress who played Crystal Carrington on their favorite television show, Dynasty. Their glasses bubbled with the sparkling version of Hollander Estates Winery's pale pink wine, the one called Blush. 
Leah's brother, Asher, had snuck a sample for them both one day when they were helping out in the bottling room. It was sweeter than she'd expected, better than she'd expected, especially since her father dismissed it as swill. Then why do you make it? She'd asked him. Her father was the winemaker, and if it was swill, it was swill he had created on purpose. He was a third-generation vintner, a family tradition that had begun in 1910 when her great-grandfather was gifted a winery in Mendoza, Argentina, as payment for a debt. Her father had told her the story many times. Because it sells, her father said. It was a calm, windless evening, and a honey-like scent hung in the air, a promise of the summer to come. The women took seats around one of the cherry wood tables, carrying their wine and books. They were already flipping through pages, whispering and pointing at certain passages. Occasionally, one of the women would glance over to make sure Leah didn't hear what they were saying. Leah, time to run along, her mother said. We're going to begin. Leah did not want to run along. She yearned to be included in the group, to get dressed up and sit by her mother's side and talk about books. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.